0: Welcome everyone to today's episode of the Gene Book Nerd Podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking with Ed McDonald, the renowned author of the Raven's Mark book series. This series consists of the Blackwing, Ravencry, and Crowfall books. When he's not working on a novel, Ed McDonald works as a university lecturer and enjoys his time as a sword enthusiast and fencer. So let's start the podcast and get to know a bit more about Ed McDonald and his book series and maybe learn a bit about swords along the way. Hi, Ed. How are you doing this morning? Or uh, rather this evening, if I have my times correct uh, for you in the U.K.?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good, thank you. Uh, it's a uh, sweltering twenty-six degrees Celsius, though. That 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 will be maybe confusing. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't say for sure what that is uh, in Fahrenheit, but uh, but uh, it's, it's hot. Uh...
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not California hot, but it's still hot.
0: <laughs> well, I think I can still relate to uh, to hot weather over here in California, so. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. I'm really excited to talk with you get to know you a little bit and you know, find out more about your book series and I I'm sure our viewers and listeners are as well. So before we get into the books, I'd like to get to know you a little bit. Um, so obviously, your name is Ed McDonald, you're a very well known uh, author. And can you tell us just a little bit a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay, Um, so yes, I'm the author of The Raven's Mark series of books. Um, I am uh, also a, I work part-time at a university in London um, where I uh, teach people not terribly interesting writing skills, but uh, I do try and teach them. Um, I'm also a uh, historical swordsmanship enthusiast, um, which is something people often are aware of about me as I make sure all my pictures end up having uh, swords in them. Uh, <laughs> Never a bad thing. But, but, well, I always say you can't have enough swords. Um, I,
0: you know, I, I have to agree with that logic.
1: Yeah. Um. How many would be too many? It's a, it's a question for the ages. Um. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I live. Uh, I live in London. Um. And uh. Yeah, I guess I guess those are my most interesting points um such as they are. I don't have any pets. People always want to know about pets for some reason.
0: <laughs> well, a lot of people love animals, so you know, they always feel like they, you know, if they have animals that other people should too, I guess. I don't have any uh, any pets myself either. So we got we have that in common.
1: All right. Yeah.
0: That and so and you know, a love of swords. So we have two things in common at least.
1: Well, i think everyone should love swords so
0: you know again i can't disagree with that everyone should love swords so i have to ask uh before we get into the book series just because you brought up uh you're an enthusiast of swords how did that come about like where did you get your interest in swords from
1: well these things are incredibly difficult to track when they've been going on forget you know almost 40 years now um I know that when I was a small child uh, my my principal joy in life was running around hitting things with sticks, um, which would, you know, my simulation of swords um, and it just never really changed. You know, most people have grown out of plastic swords by the time they're about 11 or 12 years old when they want to try and look cool in front of their friends by not having a wooden sword. but I don't think I ever did, so I, I just kind of carried on and uh, I did uh, I did what we think of as Olympic fencing, sport fencing um, for a while, um, through my twen- uh, university and then through my 20s off and on. Um, and as I was doing it, I, I kind of was just aware that it just wasn't quite, uh, it wasn't quite um, a correct simulation because, of course, it's not meant to be, it's a sport, it's a game and the equipment is all designed so that you can't do each other any damage but um, what I really wanted to learn was how did people uh, fight with swords historically in the past um, and then I discovered that uh, there are there are people around the world who have taken very old um, documents very old texts going back at the earliest one being dated around the year 1290 to 1325 um it's called manuscript 1.33 it's held in the uh the leeds armory in england and uh i found that people take these treaties written in the past or, or these we can't call them manuals they're not exactly manuals but they tell you what to do and they teach you how to fight with all manner of different uh pre-industrial weapons um and if you can well first of all translate it out of middle Uh, middle German um, or Italian and then work out what on earth they mean um, when they say and slip beneath the wing here and so on and so on Um, then we can recreate it and work out what to do so uh, I started doing that and I've, I've been doing it since that's cool
0: I didn't I learned something new today I never knew any of that so that's awesome
1: yeah, I mean, uh, you get some interesting looks, like uh, carrying bags of stuff around on the the subway. You know, <laughs> <laughs> police stopping us and searching our bags and identifying that we are carrying bags full of swords is a fairly common thing to happen. But they don't mind; they're always happy with us. They can see that we're we're not up to up to bad things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's good. So,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So. I uh I did some reading about uh the Ravensmark book series and I gotta say I am really excited. I really these are definitely some uh, book series that I want to read real soon. I gotta get my hands on these. For our listeners, could you tell them a little bit about what this book series is about?
1: It's it's always interesting, like trying to uh, <laughs> trying to summarize. Um. The the whole thing, and uh, not just one book, but sometimes a series is, is quite hard. But the way I've come to describe them is they are um, kind of quite dark, uh, action and story driven fantasy thrillers. Um, I, always, I, I when I was writing the first one, I I got a little bit tired of reading very very long, huge, you know, books that look like bricks. Um, And, of course, in fantasy reading, that's a lot of what's out there, and it's a lot of what's very popular as well. And I've had a very good time reading some of those very long books. But what I wanted to do was write a book that was more in the style of a, you know, contemporary thriller. So I wanted the plot to move quickly. I wanted uh, lots of intrigue and discovering things and betrayals and people getting shot and people having sword fights so that it, it it read like the kind of books i was reading at the time which were sort of like lee child uh, jack reacher type stuff um so that's that's what i've tried to create um making it fast a bit brutal but you know there's a there's a central romance theme that is extremely important through the the three books though it would be it would be completely wrong to imagine that it was uh It'd be wrong to to claim that I've written a, a story which is a love story completely. Given that there's a lot of like small devilish babies that try and eat you. There are um crazy uh crazy monster like nightmare almost like they're almost like creatures from horror films. I think rather than your traditional you know they're not trolls and and elves. These are these are things that always look like people um but somehow have gone gone horrible <laughs> and become very bad um and so yeah there's uh one, one of the things that always gets picked up on from the books is the the location it's set in is um on the end of on the edge of this uh, wasteland which is called the misery um, which has a, a a passing resemblance to sort of a, a nuclear fallout zone or, or wasteland where Nothing stays the same and the directions on the compass don't really work and the land shifts when you're when you're looking in the wrong direction. Um, so there's a sort of a nightmarish post-apocalyptic element um, going through it as well. Um, so, I mean, I've made that a very long answer.
0: Now, <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, the more information that I get and our listeners get, I mean, I hope for at least for them, whoever's, you know, listening to this. It just makes me want to read it even more. I mean, that sounds right up my alley. So in terms of the the books and the genres that I like.
1: Yeah, post-apocalyptic with monstrous things, action, espionage, romance, um, and unexpected endings, that's what I would say.
0: Okay, all right. You've definitely piqued my interest further, so I'm definitely going to have to read this book series where did you get the idea uh, for this, for these books to, from?
1: Well, I, I have a terribly inefficient way of, of achieving my writing goals, which is that instead of doing the sensible thing and working out what's going to happen and having a, a plan, I just kind of make it up as I go along. Um, and so what combines is just all the things that I'm interested in at any one time get put together into a book um so i i knew i knew that I, I always have this this thing about uh the way that i write is that i have one scene usually in my head that i want to write and then i make up a whole book as an excuse to get the reader to read that scene which is my you know the beest and most dramatic and most impacting scene in the book um so I, I knew what my scene was and and that that then spawns the characters um and then i needed a a place of threat for them to be to be on a borderland, a frontier. Um, I like frontiers. I think I think all the most interesting stories happen on the edge of a frontier. So I I started writing it and as I write though, everything changes completely from um, you know, one draft to the next. It's very possible that whole characters or sequences or, or landscapes have changed and been edited in and out. Um Which is just how I I end up doing it. and It's not recommendable to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) It takes a lot of rewriting and a lot of chopping. Um, And actually, this book, um, the first book, anyway, Blackwing, um, when I was trying to sell it to agents, um, one agent asked me whether I could uh, cut 50,000 words, which was um, a third of the book. That's a lot. It It was a lot um and i did it um, and i I trimmed it right down um and and in doing so i cut out the most important scene um, that i thought was in the book but it turned out it it turned out the book had sort of taken over itself and and there were other more interesting things happening than my initial idea so it didn't unfortunately didn't work out with that agent but I, i acquired another one fairly soon after and um and then here we are but uh, it was well worth trimming those 50,000 words. It helped a lot. Um, it made it faster and you know, leaner, um, and I think a tighter read overall. But where do the ideas come from? Well, they come and they go. <laughs> Sometimes I spend an awful lot of time thinking about what type of swords the characters are carrying around with. Them. <laughs> Which, of course, is a fabulously irrelevant detail <laughs> to practically anybody else um you know to most people a sword is a sword but i'm thinking yeah but how are the hilts constructed what sort of scabbards are they in um and then of course I, for all the thinking i do about that it all gets edited out of the book in the end anyway because my editors are like no one needs a, a page-long description of uh, of the particular curvature of the sword you know
0: so how does a how long does it take with your process and you know but from beginning, coming up with the idea, like, how long does a book like, you know, like what any of these three series books, like, take to write?
1: Well, the first one took 11 months, um, I, I remember. Um, i just finished writing a, a huge book, which was almost 300,000 words long. You know, it was a real slab. And I ha- it hadn't really gone anywhere. Um, and it was too long, and it had no plot, and it didn't make any sense. So it's not really surprising. Um but then i wanted to write something quicker so i wrote blackwing after that which was uh 11 months to write um the next book um, so raven cry i think took a bit less about nine months probably and i think crowfall was done um i think it was done in probably about six between six and seven months so i, I was getting faster um and each one got easier to write as i was going along but actually, subsequent to finishing the Raven's Mark series, I'm now writing or trying to write something else, on which I've been working for uh, maybe 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 sixteen months or something like that, and uh, it's uh, it's taking a lot longer. And I think the reason for that is when you're writing a series, at the end of the first book, your key characters are all established and you know them very well and. So every every circumstance and event, you know exactly how they're going to respond to it without really having to think, because you've already already dwelled inside their thought processes for quite a while, and your landscapes are all crafted. The reader will know what they are without long, you know, large amounts of uh, cleverly slipped in description. And of course, you know, you that that's the trick half the time with writing a fantasy novel is. How do you convey all the interesting information about, uh, you know, a foreign alien world without just stating it? It all has to be, it all has to be, uh, well, to to do it with art history, it all has to be very slowly uh, put forward in granular little pieces, but in a way that the reader doesn't even know that they're being fed the information that's the trick but once you get to a second and third book that's largely already been done so you can just go on with writing you know running around blowing things up and <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier but yeah going going back and starting on a new world you know it's um you have to start doing that all over again and and so it's much much more difficult i think so it's taking longer now um but I, i'd say i average about a book in a year and, that's, uh,
0: that's pretty impressive i mean i've spoken to a, many authors before and some of them say that it takes them two to five years to write you know a single book so you know getting it done in in a year or less that's very impressive
1: well i i'm i'm somewhat blessed in that i i i my my day job is uh one that i only have to do three days a week um and therefore i do have quite you know a significant proportion of the week for uh, for writing and i don't have any children um i don't i'm not uh, you know i don't have those pressures on my time perhaps that i think for some other people mean that it's harder for them to to devote longer stretches of time and i what i find is that the longer i go without writing something the harder it is to restart and so if if I'm writing on a daily basis, then writing three to five thousand words in a day is quite easy. Um, but if I've gone, say for a week, if I've been on holiday and I come back, um, then writing a thousand words can be hard because it's just that consistency um, of of mental activity, I think. It, it, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. But it only takes a bit of a gap to reset you back to the, the beginning um, and the lot the more the more you do each day um the easier it becomes over time so hopefully i should I, i'd like I, if i could i'd like to write two books a year um if uh, if i could make my living entirely doing it then i think that's what i'd be aiming to do um and I, i'd probably be writing one fantasy and one uh, crime thriller or psychological thriller or something like that
0: well I wish you all the best and uh, hope that uh, that dream comes true for you. I mean, I think that's everyone's dream is to, you know, make a living doing something that they love. So,
1: yeah, that's absolutely it. Um, Although I am a little wary of going, um, you know, going cabin fever crazy. Um, You know, at the point where you're always able to work from home, you reach a point where, well, you think, well, why am I leaving the house? <laughs> like, <laughs> when will I see a human? I don't know.
0: So have you always been interested in kind of like fantasy and sci-fi genres or have, you know, is that a genre that you just kind of fell into or?
1: Uh, well, always. Yeah. Um, th- These are things that I've been interested in since I was a child and i I suppose in a way it's quite looking looking back through my life effectively it's just all been a steady progression from uh watching he-man when i was a kid uh, onwards and maybe i just maybe i just never lost my childhood interests that um that you know every everyone likes fantasy and science fiction when they're a child pretty much um and then as as people get older they often you know they, they often drop away from, from it to some extent, but I never did. And so I, when I was younger, I, I was very much into uh, sort of tabletop war games um, with models. I was into uh, anime and uh, uh, comic books uh, like X-Men and, um, you know, you name it, I was into it. Um, I, I've, I've had a point in my life where I loved it at some point. And so it just felt natural. It's always felt very natural to me to just be writing, trying to write my own. And I wrote, I used to write comics, uh, comic books. And um, I think there's a huge box of old comics that I drew at my parents' house uh, still. Um, and yeah, and, and it's, it progressed into trying to write novels and then eventually man- managing to write novels. And yeah, um if you if you can do what you you know moot chain, make your leisure activity into something that that you know is your daily work, then ideally that's a very good thing. Um, so hopefully yes, hopefully one day it will be be the full time. But it's nice having a safety net though. <laughs> you know, it's a it's not a bad thing to have a, have a bit of backup. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: So you talked a little to... bit about your your childhood and you know your upbringing and you know comic books and everything. Is there I've got a two part question for you. Is there any particular uh, book or you know character or anything like that that really kind of influenced you growing up or author that you really looked up to and inspired you? And the second part is that is with that is did you always want to be a writer as you were growing up?
1: Uh, so the author that um, I sort of even now sort of just have enormous uh, admiration and respect for is uh, Robin Hobb, um, uh, who who initially wrote as Megan Lindholm, um, and then there's Robin Hobb. And her her ability to craft a character who feels so utterly real and convincing and I'm very sad and and heart sorrowful um her her ability to do that is just astonishing um and I have enormous admiration for her I've also I've, I've been lucky enough to meet her a couple of times at various events that we've been doing together and she's also just the most charming helpful delightful person as well so you know they, they say don't meet your heroes but uh in that case um, I'm quite happy to have done. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we all we all just want to emulate um, to some extent uh, the things that have inspired us or or given given us that emotional um, blast. And I, I think that writing books is largely about that. It's about getting. It's about effectively tricking people into feeling unreal emotions. You know, making them sad with our words or making them excited or that you know that fist punch in the air moment when when the victory comes you know like it's it's giving the reader these wonderful artificial experiences um and yeah i i think i think i was about 18 when i decided that's what i wanted um and i wanted to get a book published but I never thought of making a living from it so much. I I remember thinking when I was trying to get Blackwing published that if given given the choice. I would just accept I would just do it for free. (laughs) You know, I didn't need to be paid. I would just as long as a publisher was willing to publish my book, then that was enough and that would just make me happy. Um, And luckily, they you know, that's not how it works or (laughs) generally isn't. and uh, they they don't just take it for free. Um, but yeah, when I was 18, I remember but I wanted to, but I was at university and or college, you know, and um, I was making a very half-hearted effort towards anything that didn't involve uh, hanging out with my new friends and uh, trying to find a girlfriend and failing completely. Um those were my priorities when I was eighteen years old. <laughs> um maybe a bit of calmness in later life has helped. um but yeah i'm I'm very glad it's it's sort of got to where it's got to now you know, it's a dream come true for any author to have have their book published. um and i got to pick my publisher um got to got to um take as publisher uh, in the u k um and ace in the u s um and that that was both both of those choices really special because they you know these are publishers who've put out the books of people that i just really uh, you know really admire and have read when i was younger um so you know it's a a special thing when that happens
0: nice so i was looking at and i've got i i love asking this question to certain people uh and you're one of those people that i want to ask this to so I was looking at the Ravenmark book series and one thing I noticed is that the cover art on the books is awesome. It looks just it really just you you see it and at least for me it just grabs my attention. How did you how do you pick those cover pieces? How does the how do those ideas come about?
1: Well, I actually think that with um <laughs> the way the way it's always worked in my experience is you have all sorts of conversations with your publisher and they say, what do you imagine? What would you like to see on it? Um, what sort of thing would interest you? And you say, Oh yeah, yeah. Like this and this and this. And I, you know, so what I did, I I always draw up like a whole sort of, uh, inspiration boards where I'll find pictures, uh, and stick them on a page and be able to show the whole thing. Um, and, uh, and and then what normally happens is the publisher comes back and says, yeah, we thought about that, but we've actually just made this instead. <laughs> <laughs> and then they show you what they've done and it has nothing to do with your ideas. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how that happened. Um, I, I didn't I didn't get any say in the art. Uh, well. What I the say that I get is minor tweaking, um, very slight suggestions for well, don't we think this should be a little bit bigger and, you know, should he be holding that or, you know, this is uh, like, it's a little bit clean looking, can we dirty it up a bit? Um, but on the whole, um, uh, art is dealt with by the artists. And I think that's good in some ways. You know, I think when you're, the people who do cover art are, you know, they are professional artists and, it would be a bit, I suppose, as much as I can have some suggestions and some say, there would also be a little irony if uh, they they got the artists to start sort of telling me what should be in the books in a reversal of, of the situation, saying, <laughs> "Oh yeah, maybe you should write this." <laughs> um, so I'm full, I'm fine with that. I'm cool with it. Um, I'm happy to yeah let the artists do the art and uh, <laughs> I'll st- I'll stick to the words.
0: Well. I think uh, it definitely worked out well because I'm—I've heard nothing but great things about the books, and I'm going to be reading them myself for sure. And the cover art just looks epic. In my—that's the only word I can think up to use right now. So it seems to have worked out really well.
1: Yeah, thanks.
0: So, last question before we—before uh, we go. Uh, is what advice would you give to someone who's looking to be a writer, looking into getting to be a writer, trying to come up with ideas?
1: Okay, so first of all, I, would, I always draw the comparison between writing and um, playing musical instruments and song crafting, which is, if you wanna be a great guitar player, and you want to go and play solos on stage and, and, and be good enough at it that everyone will come and watch you. You have to put in your, how, you know, your 10,000 hours. Um, and the chances are that all your first 10,000 hours are going to be useless. You're, you know, it's going to be like watching someone learning to play guitar. When if you read, an, uh, you know, a new writers um, first draft, it, it should sound like someone who can't really play guitar trying to play guitar. Um And so you have to put in the hours and you have to put in the time and be be prepared that the chances of the first book you ever write being readable um, are very slim because you're practicing and you're learning how to craft things for the first time. So I have several novels. I think I wrote five novels that will never be published. Um, and that was that was me learning, learning the skills, you know, learning how to make characters, learning to prioritize certain elements Um, and so to to the best my ideas come to me while I'm writing that's almost always how it works I find the idea for me and I know this isn't the case for many other writers everyone has their own way of doing things but for me I don't know how I could have my best ideas if I was just sitting thinking trying to think of ideas Uh, They my ideas come to me when I am in the middle of another sentence about something else, or I'll write a throwaway line that isn't, you know, um, one of the main characters in uh, the Raven Smart books is um, a woman called Nan who has no nose. And she she was created off the cuff one day when I I just needed someone for for the protagonist to talk to. So I just made her up um, as I was writing and then. You know, she became intrinsic to the storyline over time, and she's probably the fan favorite character in the series, But she was never meant to be in it. And i think I think doing and creating is the best way of of generating that. So I would always say to anyone who is who is looking at having a career as a writer, first of all, not to expect a career as a writer. Um, you don't have to look very far to read about be able to read about um, author earnings in the U.S. and uh, and other places at the moment uh have dropped by fifty percent in the last few years, um, largely as a result of Amazon and other dominating um, you know sellers, um, and ebooks, of course uh, are cheap usually, um, and so I would always recommend to anyone have a different career as well it's something writing is something you can do alongside and it's it's what you would expect to do as most people do um so try and try and find something you enjoy and can spend eight hours a day doing that is going to make you a living until if you're very if you're one of the very lucky ones um then maybe you can make a living out of it but uh Yeah, and and go places, go places and do stuff like that's uh, that's all. I think it's a bit underestimated, like how important that is, like travel. The more you travel, the easier writing is. I tend to find
0: interesting stuff. Yeah, interesting. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We really appreciate it. I learned a lot about you and your book series. And again, I can't wait to start reading them. Uh, It's definitely going to be on my list of books to read. So if our audience uh, wants to learn more about you and your writing and your book series, uh, where can they find you?
1: Uh, Okay, so they can uh, either go. I have a uh, website. It's uh, uh, edmcdonaldwriting.com. They can find me on Twitter at uh, edmcdonaldtfk, at edmcdonaldtfk. and uh, I mean, normally I'll be honest. If you wanna, if you wanna, if you follow me on Twitter, most of what you'll get is me talking about what happened in my last Dungeons and Dragons game, um, or or what I've had to eat for dinner. But you know, such is Twitter. Um,
0: <laughs> Very true. Uh,
1: but otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, you can follow my blog, um, edmcdonaldwriting dot com.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it, and it was a pleasure.
1: Thanks very much for having me. It's been really great.
0: I hope you all enjoyed the talk we had with Ed and that you're just as interested and eager to read his book series, The Raven's Mark, as I am. I can't wait to jump right into his books and learn all about the characters and the world he's created. So until next time... This is Eric, signing off, and I think Ed has one last thing he wants to say before we go.
1: Hi, I'm Ed McDonald, author of the Raven's Mark series, and you're listening to GeneBookNerd.com.